0: Welcome to the Grow Podcast. I'm Christy McSweeney, and if you run a business or are thinking of taking the leap, this podcast is for you. I'll be interviewing special guests who run small businesses to large corporations. Each episode will include practical tips and advice to help your business thrive in this changing environment, relayed to you by people who have done it, are doing it, and some who have even done it multiple times proudly presented to you by Census, Australia's number one supporter of small and medium-sized businesses. Welcome to the Grow podcast. Today, I will be chatting with two guests about working with their families in business. According to Family Business Australia, family businesses account for around 70% of all businesses in Australia, and the average turnover is 12 million annually. My guests today are Adele LaVinge and Mark Kagan. Adele is a director of the Dennis Family Group, a residential property developer, builder and farming business. The Dennis Family Group was founded by Adele's father, Bert, who at 85 still works in the business, as do a host of family members across several generations. Mark Kagan is Chairman of Family Business Australia and CEO of Scarpa Imports, one of Australia's leading importers and distributors of greeting cards, stationery and paper products. Mark, first to you, can you give us a snapshot of your family businesses?
1: Well, I started off as a lawyer and then I ended up working for my father and uncle in a wool waste business, which moved into warehousing and transport, I ended up taking that over with my cousin. So my first cousin and I ended up working together and buying it from our respective family. That was my first business. I was there for about 23 years. And then after we sold that in the global financial crisis, just before, I moved into my wife's business to give her a bit of a
0: hand. Adele, could you give us a snapshot of your family businesses?
2: I did not start in our family business from the get-go. I actually worked for a couple of multinationals previously and then I became a restaurateur, which was extremely hard work and not to be recommended. And then I moved into our family business and our family business at that time was comprised a civil engineering business, which then later grew to a land development business, a residential housing business, agricultural business, we now have shopping centres and also private investment portfolio. So it was founded in 1960 by my father, who is now 85 and is still the founding chairman and still attends every meeting that he can possibly attend. And yes, I work with many of my other family members across the generations.
0: You both have different circumstances in which the business was established, but was there an expectation, Adele, perhaps for you that you would continue working in the business? And for you, Mark, was there an expectation that you would facilitate the growth of the business into future generations and that you would both be part of it long-term?
1: In the uh, warehousing and transport side of things, yes, there was. Once I was established there, it was relied on me, myself and Gary, to take it on and, and continue it. There really, it, there was no stage that we were looking at selling it. It's just that this amazing opportunity came along when we rounded up five other companies in the, in the game and sold to private equity for a premium. We really had no choice but to sell it. So it worked very well like that.
2: From my perspective, the family business was always presented as an opportunity, I guess, for us to work in the business if we wanted to because the way our parents had sort of set it up was it was going to become ours anyway. So, you know, the opportunity to work in it was sort of presented to us and and at the time, you know, it was the right move. I think that's the other thing I need to say is it's got to be right for you. The other thing about joining a family business is it's very easy to join a family business but what you need if you're thinking about it, What you need to sort out straight up front is the exit of the family business, how you as a person are going to leave that business and can you leave with dignity and can you leave with your relationships intact with your other family members that you're working with. So for us in the second generation here, in my family, we're all very well entrenched here. But for the third generation, joining our family business, that was one of the very big things that we tackled early on, that we needed to be able to let these family members go if it wasn't right for them. I mean, why would you feel you know, that you needed to work in the business forever if it's not for you. So we're very we we're very cognizant of that and we we've tried to enable family members to have that well we have, they have that ability to leave if that's what they want to do without without compromising family relationships as, as they do it.
0: When you catch up socially with members of your family, if you work very closely with them. How hard is it to not talk about business?
1: Well, if you talk about my current business with my wife, she talks about business any time, any stage. You know, you could be going to bed at one o'clock in the morning. Oh, I've got to ask you something about this and that. And I just I won't talk about it. Try and make time during the day. In my older business it was mainly during the day, very little talked about at night.
2: I think in our, I, I think the answer to that question from my perspective would be it depends on the generation you're in. My father founded the business, so for him, his life is so intricately entwined. You know, his personal life and his business life are sort of almost one. So he, as Mark's just sort of mentioned, he will kind of talk about it whenever and wherever. But for others in different generations, so in our generation, we sort of think about things a bit differently and set aside time to do other things and think about other things other than the business where and and then in the third generation and they again they're very good at sort of compartmentalizing and okay, I'm at work, I'm at work, and if I'm at home or if I'm on holidays, I'm actually not at work and I don't miss it and I don't I don't worry about it but. You know, as the founder, that's been a very different journey through his life. It's been a a 24-hour-a-day, you know, building the business to what it is now.
0: Mark and Adele, people are really interested in what it's like to work with your family. Is there any quirky anecdotes that perhaps happen in a family business that probably wouldn't happen in corporate life?
2: One of the quirky things in our family business is Dad being an engineer and a civil engineer, so that's sewers, drains and water mains, when we, this is very early on, in one of our corporate kitchens, the water cooler turned up, you know, with the bottled, the bottled water. Anyway, that lasted about oh, three hours. Dad came into the kitchen and said, where's this come from? Why have we got bottled water? Melbourne has got some of the best water in the world, Get rid of it. I'm not paying for it. So it's out. So every now and again we, you know, we'll get some other well-meaning, someone or other, uh, and they think, oh, let's get some filtered water, you know, the water cooler in the kitchen. No, no, we have to sort of educate them quietly that (laughs) Melbourne's got some of the best drinking water in the world, out with the water cooler. No water coolers in our building ever, ever. At
1: um, Kagan Logistics, my father and uncle and their uncle would sit down for lunch every day to mm. a cooked cooked meal. Morning tea would be scrambled eggs and lunch would be herrings and potato and meat wow. and sliced, sliced sausages. And we had a lady in the kitchen all the time, every day of the week. And then came afternoon tea or after work, there'd always be a scotch. That's how I learned how to drink scotch. Always, every, every day, there was no, no difference. I don't know how they survived to such old ages.
2: Oh, really? That's very impressive. We, yeah. have, one, we have one every week. We have a family lunch every week. But not every, not every day. It's not cooked. It's every man for himself. You've got to go fossick and forage for your own food.
0: Well, one family's water is another family's scotch. Scotch, apparently. <laughs> Mark, tell us about Family Business Australia.
1: Family Business Australia has been going for about 22 years. It's a not-for-profit organisation. What we are trying to do is educate family businesses to use their advantages and excel. So we have several platforms. We have a lot of education, a lot of courses that we take people through. One, of course, is Succession, which is our most popular course. We have forum groups that are, are very well attended. Forum groups are like a tech group, I suppose, but we have a facilitator and 10, 12 people around the table. And we also have different groups and different national committees set up like uh, Women in Family Business, Sustainability is another plank that we're working on in a big way. And of course, we have our networking and our social functions. So our annual conference is, is well, well represented and everybody loves going to it. So it's 22 years new and we're really trying to get more and more knowledge out there in the marketplace so that people know who we are.
0: How do people get in touch with Family Business Australia to access some of those resources?
1: First, just check our website. You can see all the different courses that we offer, but we we compete with Australian Student Company Directors with our Director's Course, which is, I think, as good, but not so intense a lot more practical. We have financial figures for people that don't understand them correctly and they need to. Different sorts of courses. Of course, succession. We've just written a succession document for uh, Kate Carnell, the Australian ombudsman. And we have in particular uh, very new courses in relation to the next generation. The guys and girls that don't think or aren't sure if they're up to it. And this next generation course, which is, I think, one of the only ones in Australia, probably is the only one in Australia will help these guys get the confidence, get the understanding, get the knowledge they need to move to that next generation of, of leadership. So our educational side of things is is very large. And then we get a lot of a lot of family businesses who are prepared to get up there and be facilitated like this and talk about their issues and their problems. And it's incredible how many people relate and how many people say, well, it's just happened to me. I've just done that or I'm about to do that. And they'll go and talk to us. Now, we also have 30% of our members are actual advisors in this area, whether they're accountants, lawyers, tax specialists, succession planners. So that's why we've got a combination of membership and why everybody seems to like it so much is because you go to a function and you can meet these people. You can meet people in the similar line. You can meet people who can advise you. And you can talk very, very openly about the problems you're facing
2: can i just add something uh, about the director's course which i've presented at uh, many times over the over the years for fba one of the things that i think sets it apart is that it recognizes the overlay of familiness and family issues across what is the same content as what the AICD would be offering. So, you know, yes, there's all the government governance issues, there's the fiduciary responsibility teaching that's the same. But what is missing from the AICD course is the recognition of family issues overlaid over the top of the other governance issues that, that are the same for any business. Doesn't matter if it's family business or public, you know, publicly listed, doesn't matter. Those issues are all the same. But the family issues are quite unique, obviously, to family business.
0: Mark and Adele, you both mentioned that you work with members of your family across several generations. But what family members do
2: you work with? My father's the founding chairman, so he's still extremely active in the business. I also work with my two brothers and my sister, I work with my daughter, my eldest daughter, and my nephew, one of my brother's sons, and I also work with my husband. So on a daily basis, I wear about 10 hats that I can sort of think of off the top of my head, not only family member hats, but also um Differing hats in in terms of management and and um, boards or committees that I sit on, you need to sit back and think about what forum am I in, who is the audience, who am I talking to here, and what role am I playing? and it can be it can be quite challenging at times, but I think if you can try and keep that in the back of your mind, what role am I playing, who am I talking to? In what capacity? I think you know that helps you sort of get through the day. On um, you know, as you attend many many meetings on a daily basis, so it can be very complicated. You just have to be very mindful, and and sometimes it can be a minefield. There are a lot of added sensitivities. The overlay of family across a business is an incredibly tricky space. Got
1: to add to that, Adele. Running a normal business, as in a non-family business, can be hard as hard, but when you add that extra. Circle into it, and you add the family, whether you're working with them or for them, it just adds an incredible complexity that has to be managed very carefully.
0: How do each of you manage that conflict then?
1: In my warehousing logistics days, the conflict was awful because when my cousin and I, so it was our respective fathers and their uncles, so we were already the third generation, when we decided we wanted to buy the business we had it valued, went through the whole rigmarole and Gary and I paid our respective fathers for the business. But we did it without discussion with our brothers, our respective brothers, as a result of which there was some very bad blood and our communication was not open and honest. It was honest, but it wasn't open and it was subject to translations the wrong way. So that was interesting.
0: And what about you, Adele, How do you manage the conflict with so many members of your family or working together?
2: Because we came from the one family, we had shared experiences as children and we had shared values as a family unit, as the four of us with our parents. So in terms of conflict between the four siblings of, of my generation and and my parents, There hasn't really been any because we've been able to set the rules as we have wanted the rules to be for our family business. But as we've gotten bigger and other family members have joined, we have found that we have needed to set up some, I guess, you know, processes and systems and also some policies around how family members are treated, what roles family members have, entitlements, holidays, you know, Anything that you could possibly imagine that as a policy exists in a normal business, we have not only in our operating business but we also have for our family as well. So we have an overlay of policies across our family as well. So that's how we manage conflict and our kind of thought process every time we have an issue that needs to be discussed or confronted, we try and approach it in the way where we try and solve it as best we can to the satisfaction of everybody. But... We also are very mindful of setting up the policy and, I guess, the habits as best practice, so that the next generation coming along can look back and and know why the policy was set up and for whom, and how does it work, so that there are no, so that there is a lot of transparency and that there is no wondering about whose people's roles are, what people are going to be paid you know, any of those sorts of things. So it's, it's a very complex system that we've set up, but we feel like it's necessary because we have so many family members involved now. We have an operating business board for each of the, the businesses that I mentioned earlier. Plus on the other side of sort of the ledger, if you think of it, the business sort of sits on this side of the line and then the family is sort of on this side of the line. We have a shareholders group and we have operating business boards for the operating businesses, but then for the family members we have a, a shareholder board and uh, each branch of the family, so my parents' branch and then the four siblings branches are all represented at shareholder level, so I represent my branch of my family, my husband and my three children. It's amazing how you think what could you possibly sit down and discuss? well, I can tell you we discuss a lot of things and and not necessarily about the business you know it might be taxation issues, it could be. Um, it, it could be any number. Insurance could be any number of things. You know, changes in government regulations. Any number of things that that crop up on a on a monthly basis.
0: And what would you both say is the best part of working in a family business?
1: For me, it was trust and honesty. Although Gary and I had our issues, we knew we could absolutely one hundred percent rely on each other and know that the other person was doing everything in their power to make sure the business was successful if I was away or Gary was away. And that point, I think, is enough for me to go back into any family business. Mm. From that point of view, I loved it.
2: I would absolutely support that. I would say trust is number one, that you absolutely know that the, the people that you're sitting around the table with share the same values as you and in our case, you know, we have very clearly defined values and they are very strong and very prevalent within our business and everybody knows them. We recruit to our values. And opportunity, I think massive opportunity to be a part of uh, a business and to actually on a daily basis make a meaningful difference to, you know, to yourself, to your siblings, to the business in a, in a, in a very well-defined way. I, th- I think that's a huge a huge plus, big opportunities.
1: Yeah, I think also, if I can add in, Christy, the fact that you're a family business and that you're representing your family yourselves, you're not a, not representing mm. shareholders as such. You can make quicker, more flexible, mm. faster decisions in 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 most aspects of what you, of what you're doing. So mm. it's it can be a lot more exciting from that point of view. Yes, you have your boards, yes, you have your bureaucracy and stuff, but but you find you're faster
2: on your
0: feet. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Nimble.
0: And to both of you, how difficult is it to begin the discussion around succession planning and put that in place
2: easily and conflict-free? The difficulty is around the timing. And I think if you leave it until it's too late, I think it becomes incredibly difficult. If you start the conversation early... It's a much easier conversation to have. And, in fact, if you start the conversation before you need to have the conversation,
1: mm.
2: that's the absolute best time to have it and to start it because if you leave it until you need it, it's like kind of writing a will after the person's died, if you get what I'm saying. You know, it's just it's impossible because there's too many, there's too much emotion, there are too many competing interests You just need to be very clear-headed, very calm, and you need to approach it where there is no crisis and and when you've got time on your hands to think about things, work on things, leave it for a while, go away, come back, think about it again, discuss it again. I mean, I can remember when we started on our journey, and this was in 1999, we started professionalising our business, and I can remember... Dad's saying, okay, well, just give me a one-pager. You know, I just want one A4 sheet. That'll be it. Simple. Well, here we are 20 years later and we are still every single day working on making our business better and part of that is the succession piece and now we're sort of into thinking about the next generation, third generation. One of the things we do every year in our strategy planning day as a family and then we also have a, a business strategy planning day is the facilitator gets us to write down what age we will be in 5 10 15 and 20 years time and let me tell you how much that focuses your mind when you're when you know you might be sitting here at 50 years old and all of a sudden you're writing on a piece of paper oh my god in 20 years time you mean i'm going to be 70 what you know because you just it's not something that you think about but you need to be thinking about that that sort of aspect and you know Will you still be here? You know, won't you be here? Who will be here? How? What will it look like? So I would be saying it's not how difficult it is. I I would be saying is when is the most difficult time? And I'd be saying it's when you most need it is the most difficult. When you least need it is the best time to start.
1: Got to um, put it in people's minds that it's Mm. coming. Mm. Because what happened with me, my father went overseas on a buying trip. He came back. And unbeknownst to me and dad, and dad owned it 50-50 with his brother, his brother had transferred his share to his son, my cousin. So all of a sudden, dad had a new partner. Oh, right. And I had, I had no equity in the business at that stage, so I was trying to run it for on behalf of my father with zero equity, so it became very difficult. That's when the conversation started in earnest.
2: What are the challenges of working with your family? In, I think in most families, I think being just cognizant of the differing personalities and as I mentioned earlier, the overlay of the different family dynamics across a complex business structure which we have. And also family members knowing and respecting the boundaries of what their roles are and having very clearly defined roles as as we have in our business. We have very clear KPIs and whatnot, we have external consultants who set what the roles are and what the expectations are, what the remuneration is of family members. So if you can get all those sort of things sorted out, I think you're removing quite a lot of conflict. But there, there are definite challenges and I think respecting boundaries is one of the very, very big ones, both in a personal sense and also in a professional sense. If I can add to that, where you have family
1: members not working in the business but receiving dividends and things, there's always issues, trust of honesty of what's going on there. But one of the biggest challenges I've seen is when the children marry out and the outlaws start getting involved and there's perception that someone's not being treated the right way and that can lead to all sorts of issues and it's actually – Incredible that you know, even showing someone the same amount of money that the two boys were getting, there was still a disbelief that there was something else going to one over the other going
2: on behind yeah. closed doors. Yeah. yeah,
1: it's it's very difficult.
2: I think I think also you know, depending on the generation that the business is in, you know, as Mark's mentioned. You know, there can be lingering issues from past generations that are passed on through osmosis or through, you know, who knows even what, and perceptions about other family members that, that may cloud or colour family members trying to work together, have this historical sort of hangover of, of baggage that has come from a different generation. So I think that can be a very difficult thing too if you're in, a, if if you're in an older family business and a, and a multi-generational one too.
0: What advice do you have to people thinking of starting a family business and, and working across generations of their family, bringing it together?
1: Some of the ground rules when starting a family business, work out what you actually want to do and how you want to do it. I, I can only recommend getting professional help For most people that don't have the right background, the accounting legal backgrounds, because working out your plans, working out where you want to be in five, 10 years, as Adele was saying, they're difficult things. I mean, a lot of people start a business and they don't know where they're going. So, yes, you have to formulate your your business plan. You have to get advice.
2: I'd be saying be objective. You know, view your family members as if they were going to be any other business partner, and and try and put aside the fact that they're a family member. You need to be very clear and objective about one what you want to do, what you're going to achieve, who's going to do what role. Then, if you've got transparency and you're comfortable, treat it like a project. And I would be, if it was me, I'd be pretty pretty strong on getting things written down, things agreed. And I know, you know, people sort of think, oh, yeah, but it's my brother, it's my sister, Uh uh-huh. Well, contract is a contract and you only need a contract when you need to go to the mattresses. But, you know, the strength of contract is worth the paper it's written on if you've done it properly in the first place. If you don't even have an agreement in the first place, then that's when, you know, things can go wrong. And I think if you set yourself up properly in the first place, then you've got... Peace of mind, and you're not just relying on blind trust. Because if you don't set it up properly, then that's all you're relying on really is blind trust and 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 assuming that someone is going to do the right thing by you, and that may not necessarily be the case.
1: Blind trust doesn't work. You have yeah. to have it documented, documented, yeah. and written down. Must and written
2: down again. Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: Mark Kagan and Adele Levinj, thank you so much for chatting to us today. We've heard some wonderful anecdotes and some great advice for people who are thinking of going into business with their family or who already are. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Grow Podcast. For future episodes, be sure to subscribe. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Census, Australia's number one supporter of small and medium-sized businesses.